All right, my name is uh, Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are jumping into a new series that we're calling I Want to Believe But. And we're very excited about this series as we're starting off. I want to uh, give a shout out to H.O. Akron, who's joining us via video as well. And as we come to this series, uh, hopefully you've heard a little bit about it. Maybe you're interested in what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're excited about it because we believe that this series really is going to hit and connect with everybody, no matter where you are in your faith journey. You know, you can kind to classify people into a couple different areas when they think about uh, where they are in their faith. Some people may be at this spot where they are just firmly rooted in their foundation. They know what they believe. They know why they believe it. And if that's you and you're here and you, you see a video like that or, or you're here and you're saying, is this series really going to relate to me? I want you to know, yes, it will, because the questions that we're going to be discussing and talking about and hopefully answering are, are questions that we all need to have an answer to, no matter where we find ourselves uh, in our faith journey. And then, and then maybe some of us, we're kind of more in the middle. We're, we're kind of, maybe we're, we're brand new at this, this Christianity thing, or maybe we feel like we're right on the line of faith, where we're like, I'm, I'm really checking it out, I'm interested, I'm here for a reason, um, but, but I'm just not sure. And so obviously this series, I think, will connect with you because our hope is that we're going to address some very real questions, very honest questions that you may have. And then maybe even there's some of us who are here that would kind of classify ourselves as skeptics. And if we're just honest, maybe we wouldn't even say it out loud, maybe we're like kind of closet skeptics, I don't know. But if we're just really honest, you know, we're, we're pretty skeptical of the whole faith thing. We're pretty skeptical of the whole church thing, but you find yourself here for some reason. Maybe uh, the topic interested you, or maybe you're, you're coming to appease a friend or a family member. And so if that's you and you're here today, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and, and we're excited just to kind of journey in this series together. And we're going to try to hit four of what we believe are some of the most commonly asked questions, maybe some of the biggest reasons that people can say, I want to believe, but. I want to believe, but I'm just not sure about this. I, I, I want to believe, but I feel like this question hasn't been answered for me, and so it's holding me back. So next week, we're, we're going to talk about, I want to believe, but is Jesus really the only way? Because that's what we teach here at HGO, and that's what we believe uh, that the Bible teaches, and so that may be a hang-up for some of us, and we're going to address that, that question next week. The week after, uh, we are going to talk about, I believe, one of the most important questions that all of us probably ask on some level or another. We're going to answer the question, I want to believe, but why do bad things happen to good people? You know, and, and we kind of put it in that, that phrase, but the reality is there's a heart level thing that goes on for many of us when it comes to faith, where we want to believe, but there's just some emotional thing. Maybe we've seen something bad happen to us or to somebody else, and so we're asking the question, I really want to believe, but, but is that really how God is? And, and so we're going to address that question. We're actually going to bring in a guest speaker who has an amazing story, Tim Butler. He's a counselor here in town as well, and he's going to help us address that question. The fourth and final week, we're going to talk about I want to believe, but what about science? You know, does science in the Bible contradict? And we're going to take on that issue head on. And today, we're starting off the series with talking about, I want to believe, but what about my doubts? I want to believe, but what about doubt? And as we come to this, this series and this topic, I think that doubt is something that, that we probably all wrestle with in some form or fashion. I remember for myself, uh, I, I actually kind of grew up in a, in a marginal Christian home, what I would say. We, church was kind of part of our life, but it was more a, of a duty than a relationship. It's just kind of something that we went through the motions with growing up, and I'm, I'm thankful for that foundation. But, but faith wasn't personal to me. 
Uh, and so the end of my senior year of high school, uh, I got confronted with the gospel. And I ended up actually owning my faith and putting my faith and trust in Christ. That's when I would say, even though I went to church my whole life, I would say when I was 18 years old, uh, at the end of my senior year of high school, that's when I actually put my faith in Christ. That's when I became a Christian. So uh, I, I was just a couple months away from coming to, to BGSU at that point. I'm an alumni here. Uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, we came to Bowling Green, and they say it just kind of sucks you in. You know, I never left. I never planned on staying here, but I'm still here, and we love this place. And so I came to Bowling Green as a freshman, and I was on fire for my faith. Literally, like, I didn't have any doubts. You know, I was convinced that I knew everything. And in fact, I was that guy, actually, that maybe some of you really don't like. Um, hopefully not still. Uh, but especially back then, I was that guy that, that I would love to argue with people. I would love to debate people. I would love to not just debate people. I would love to tell them why they were wrong and why they should believe what I believed. And I had it all worked out in my head. And so, honestly, I would say the first three or four months, it was kind of like the spiritual honeymoon in my life where, where I really didn't struggle with the issue of doubt whatsoever. And, and then I came to Bowling Green, and, uh, and, and the first month or so maybe was fine, but I remember uh, a distinct moment. I remember sitting in a sociology class, and as I was sitting in this sociology class, I don't know the professor personally or anything, and I don't even remember much about him, but I remember him saying this phrase, something along the lines of, we were talking about world religion, and, and he said, you know, about a hundred years ago, uh, sociologists thought that, that maybe religion would just kind of phase out. That as a culture and as our world got more and more advanced, as we learned more about science and technology, that religion would just fade away. Uh, he said, obviously that hasn't happened. That's not the reality, but I sure wish that it would. <laughs> he said, I sure wish that it would because especially Christianity, it is responsible for most of the damage, most of the hateful, harmful things that happen in our world. I remember him saying something along those lines. And, and, and all of a sudden, for some reason, maybe it's because he was an authority figure or whatever the case was, but something with that kind of resonated with me. And I was like, is that really true, you know? Because I want to follow a God that actually brings joy and peace and goodness to the world. I don't want to follow a God who brings hurt and harm and, and, and pain into the world. And so for the first moment as I was sitting in that sociology class, I had this feeling and it was like, there's something there. It's, it's almost like a doubt, you know? And, and I freaked out because I'm like, can you be a Christian and doubt? Is that even possible? Because I hadn't experienced it before. And, and, and I, I was asking these questions, and all of a sudden, I had to wrestle with my faith for the first time. And, and as I started to wrestle with my faith, I started to realize that actually what my professor said, even though I respect professors, what he said was completely wrong. In fact, most of the, the good things that have happened in the world have, have been on the back of, of Christianity, but we can get into that at another time. But as we were talking about it and I was wrestling with it, I was confronted with the reality of doubt for the first time. And, and what doubt did for me, actually, uh, was not drive me further away from God. But actually, as I leaned into that doubt, it actually drew me closer and closer to God. And so, as you sit here today, I want to ask you to think about yourself. And what about you? Are, are you a doubter? You know, do you, do you have something that maybe you're wrestling with God on? Have you had doubts in your life at some point? Have, have you doubted that God even exists? Have you ever come to that point where you, you just question, like, is God even real? You know, maybe some of us are, are in that spot as we sit here today. Or, or maybe that's not so much the question for you. 
Maybe you're like, yeah, I know that God's real. I look at the world. I see his fingerprint. I know that he's real. I know that he's alive. But maybe you've doubted the character of God. Maybe you've doubted the goodness of God. Like, uh, okay, if God's real, but does he actually love me? Uh, is God real, but is he actually worth following? Maybe God's real, but, but, but is Christianity worth something giving my, my life to? And I think as you sit here and you just honestly answer that question, I think the first request that I have of all of us, myself included, as we come here today, is that we're just authentic with the, the realness and the depths of our heart. And you don't even have to say it out loud, but maybe as you just sit here and you're listening to this message, if you'd just be honest in your own heart. Because uh, if you want to come to a church full of people who don't have any doubts and, and, and have never questioned uh, the, the validity of God, then, then this probably isn't the church for you. you. You have a pastor here who's actually had doubts before. But what we do value here at H2O is realness and authenticity and honesty. And so so as we come to this series, and as we open up the pages of the Bible, we're going to address the topic of, I want to believe, but what about my doubts? And we're going to do it from a real perspective, not just throwing sugar-coated answers, not just throwing fake answers and just, you know, give a cliche phrase and say, move on, but actually addressing what does it look like to live and wrestle with doubt? You know, if you're here and you answered yes to that question at any point that you've had doubt at some point in your life. Maybe you've also asked the question, does that make me less spiritual? Or does that make me not a follower of Jesus? Or, or, or does that put me in a camp where, where I can maybe, you know, lose my faith or, or lose my salvation if I have a certain level of doubts? But here's the big idea for us today. And the big idea that, that I want to spend time talking about together today, it's this. It's that doubt does not disqualify us from following God. Okay, doubt does not disqualify us from following God. In fact, if you doubt on any level here today, then you're in really good company, probably with the rest of humanity, but definitely with the rest of the people in this room. And you're in really good company with some of the closest followers of Jesus himself. You know, people who actually walked uh, alongside Jesus and saw him do miracles and saw him perform amazing things, even them, even Jesus' closest friends, men who would go on to die for Jesus, uh, women who would put their whole lives on hold to follow him, they even themselves spent some time doubting. So I want to look at a passage together today. It's in Mark chapter 9. You can open up there with me if you want. You can follow along uh, in your handouts. It's in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to see a situation where there's some doubt that comes in. As, as people are seeking to do ministry and point people towards Jesus. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. It says this. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them so there's this big crowd there's disciples and there's pharisees and they're arguing nothing new there uh, and, and as soon as all the people saw jesus they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him and and, and jesus asked why are you arguing arguing and what are you arguing about and a man in the crowd answered teacher i brought you, my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him onto the ground. And he foams at the mouth and he gnashes at the teeth and he becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, 
but they could not. We're going to stop there for a minute just to get our, our bearings on what's going on. Uh, Jesus' disciples, religious leaders, Pharisees, they're arguing. Jesus walks up, and Jesus is like, what is going on? Why are you guys arguing? And there's this kid who's sick. Okay, maybe he had epilepsy, we don't know. Maybe there was something, well, there was something spiritual going on as well within this boy. And, and so uh, as a parent, I can only imagine. I mean, my, my son sprained his wrist yesterday at a soccer game. And, you know, it's like, oh, you just want to wanna take care of him. You hate to see your kid hurting, right? If you're a parent, you know that. Can you imagine your kid being this sick? Something even spiritual going on. And you not being able to help him most helpless feeling in the world. And what do we see? We see the disciples and the Pharisees turning it into an academic argument. The Pharisees were they're so infamous for that because they didn't really care about people. They would use people to try to promote their agenda. And so there's this little boy who's sick and desperate and hurting and a father, oh man, a father that just wants this kid to be healed. And you got this group of people arguing. And so Jesus walks up onto the scene. And then verse 19, we jump back in. It says, you unbelieving generation, generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. He's upset because they're arguing with him, with each other, instead of caring about this boy. And so they brought him to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. And he fell on the ground. And he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? You imagine the, the anguish his father is going through. It says, from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. And then here's the key verse that we're going to unpacked together today immediately the boy's father exclaimed I do believe help me to overcome my belief I do believe uh, another version says but help me to overcome my doubt and, and maybe you, you can wrestle with that where it's like I know that there's some faith in there I, 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 I want to believe I know that I believe but but help me Jesus help me to overcome my doubt. Help me to overcome my belief. And so from that story, we're going to look at these, these six different ways that we can deal with our doubt. Because I think now that we know that our doubt does not disqualify us from following God, then the second question becomes, well, how do we handle it? What does it look like to actually be somebody who wants to follow God but also wrestles with doubt as well? And so the first thing that we can learn from this story is this, that we need to admit our doubts. We need to admit our doubts. Do you see what the father did? He, he, he did that. He said, I do believe, but also help me to overcome my belief. And, and I think for some of us, maybe our backgrounds, maybe who we are, there's some shame that goes into the times when, when we face doubt. And, and it's like we have to stuff it down a little bit further and further. We have to hide it, have to make sure that nobody knows that we don't have this perfect faith. And so instead of, instead of admitting it, instead of confessing it, instead of saying it, which oftentimes just saying something actually breaks the stronghold that that thing has in our life, whether that's a, a thing like sin or whether that's a thing like doubt. Uh, so many times just speaking about it, just admitting it and confessing it actually totally changes the ballgame. Something that simple but we're afraid to do that because we're afraid of what people might think 
or how they might look at us. But the first step in addressing any type of doubt that we have in our life is to admit our doubts. And when we do, all of a sudden, those doubts become a little bit less powerful because as we've spoken them out loud, then all of a sudden we allow other people to speak into them. Then we allow Jesus to say, hey, listen, I can come alongside you and help you overcome your doubt and your unbelief. So the first thing we need to do to address our doubt is to admit it. But then the second thing is this. We need to act on our faith, not on our doubts. So act on our faith, not on our doubts. You, you know, as you look at the, the, the father in this story, he went to great lengths to get his son in front of Jesus' disciples. And then furthermore, he went to great lengths to get his son in front of Jesus. And so even though he had doubts, he says, help me overcome my unbelief, he went and acted on his faith rather than on his doubts. And, and something that I've learned about faith, something that I think is really interesting about faith is I've been following Jesus for almost 20 years now. Something about faith is that faith is like a muscle. You know, the, the Bible talks about the fact that, that, that God gives us faith, but faith is also something that you can work out. Faith, faith is also something that you can grow. It's not like God just gives you faith one time and then it's a done deal. Faith is something that you can continue to pour into. And it's like, you know, you think about working out, you know, uh, those of us who, who, who spend any time in the gym, you know. If you give attention to a certain muscle, I don't, obviously, but if you, if you gave any attention to a certain muscle, it would start to grow. You know, it would start to get bigger. The, the more that you exercise something, it grows and works stronger and better and harder. And the more that you ignore it, it starts to shrink and starts to decay. And our faith is just like that. Our faith is actually something that we can exercise. Our faith is something that we can invest in. Our faith is something that we can build as we act on our faith rather than acting on our doubts. So admit our doubts, act on our faith, not our doubts, and then this third thing, it, it kind of goes along with that same thing, but it's this. Recognize that faith is a gift and a choice, not a feeling. Not a feeling. And I think especially uh, among uh, us who are young, I'll classify myself into that group, especially among us who are young, you know, the, the, we're chasing a feeling sometimes, aren't we? We're like, man, I just want to feel God. I just want to, I just want to have an experience. And once I have that experience, then I won't have any doubt anymore. But as we see throughout the pages of the Bible, that's actually not how it works many, many times. So faith is a gift that is given to us from God, and faith is a choice that we make. And sometimes there may be feelings associated with it. I mean, we're emotional beings, right? Uh, and so we shouldn't feel guilty about having feelings and emotions. We should talk about our feelings and emotions. Those things are extremely important. But if we're letting our emotions dictate our faith and our actions, then we're putting something that should not be in the driver's seat of our life in the driver's seat of our life. Okay, faith is not an emotion. Faith is a choice, and faith is a gift. I was reading this story in uh, Billy Graham's biography. Billy Graham, uh, many of you probably know him. Billy Graham is uh, the most famous uh, American evangelist to, to ever le live, and um, had this amazing ministry. He's led millions of people uh, to Christ, and he's a great man of faith that, that uh, most people really look up to and respect. And uh, I, I was reading a little bit of his biography, 
in, in his early years, in his mid-20s, Billy Graham was starting to kind of rise to prominence in the Christian world, you know, and people were starting to kind of take note of his ministry and how many people were accepting Christ. And uh, at the same time, there was another man named Charles Templeton who was kind of running parallel with Billy Graham. And, and they were both great men of faith, both doing awesome things. And they'd go around these revivals, and there'd be, you know, thousands of people that would come and accept Christ. And, uh, and, and something happened uh, in their, in their mid-20s. Uh, Templeton, uh, he worked for a ministry called Youth for Christ. He started to really deal with doubt in his life. He started to really wrestle with, is the Bible real? Because, you know, these guys would get up and preach 365 days a year, basically. And, and so as he was wrestling with, is the Bible real, he started asking Billy Graham these questions as well. And so they were friends, you know, and they started having this, this kind of wrestling match with God. And, and they were trying to figure out, is God something that can be trusted? We're in our 20s. Should we give the rest of our life to following Jesus? They're obviously talented guys. Uh, are we going to build the rest of our life on the foundation? of God's word or are we going to build the rest of our life on, on something else and so as they were wrestling with this question Templeton really started to struggle and he actually came to a point where he said I, I can't believe the Bible anymore his, his doubts actually overcame him to the point where he turned his back and walked away from Jesus and he was actually encouraging Billy Graham to do the same thing it's like I'm leaving this thing I'm leaving this ministry, and I think you should follow me as well. And it, it was a, a wrestling match for Billy Graham. And he shares about this one night where he was at this uh, retreat center called Forest Home. And, and he was out just praying and wrestling with God. And as he was praying and, and talking with God, he was reading the words of Scripture. And uh, as he was reading the words of Scripture, he kept seeing over and over again, thus saith the Lord in the Bible, uh, this is the word of God. And he said he had this moment with God where there's this tree stump right here. And he, his quote is this. He cried out and he said, God, there are many things in this book that I do not understand. There are even problems in it for which I have no solution. There are many issues that surround it. There are times that it doesn't seem to correlate with modern science. There's times where uh, I can't answer some of the philosophical or psychological questions that Chuck and others are throwing at me. He says this, but then Billy Graham fell to his knees and he said, God, I'm going to accept this as your word. And I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intelligent questions and my intellectual questions and the doubts that I have, and I'm going to make a choice to believe you for the rest of my life and follow you. And I've heard that story many times, but I think that it's so powerful because, again, so oftentimes we think that, that faith is an emotional feeling that we get. Billy Graham made this decision, this choice to say, I am going to follow God no matter what. And as he made that decision, God blessed his ministry. And, and, and now again, he, he's led millions of people to Christ through the faith that he had. I love that story because it points us to the fact that faith, it's a, it's a choice, not just an emotion. And that brings us to our fourth point. I want us to think about this. The fourth point is this. When you're struggling with doubt, the way to press into it is to doubt your doubts. <laughs> doubt your doubts. Because here's the reality. 
No matter where you stand in, in your faith journey, all of us have a burden of proof. And so the reality is it takes faith to not believe in God, doesn't it? It takes faith to not follow God. It takes faith to look at the Bible and say that this is not the word of God. And it also takes faith to say, yes, it is. And so we can press into and doubt our doubts. You know, many of us, we allow our doubts to define our life and to define our faith. But the most important thing we can do in following Jesus is to continually just put one foot in front of the other and answer the question, will you follow me? And Jesus says, will you follow me? The answer is yes. And we can press in and doubt our doubts. Lee Strobel, he wrote this book called Case for Christ. And uh, Case for Christ is an awesome book. It was actually one of the books that I read uh, when I was going through the season of doubt when I was in college. And, and he was an atheist who was a, 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 a lawyer and an a, um, author, and as he was uh, trying to go about researching whether God existed, he was actually trying to disprove uh, the existence of God, and so he traveled around, and he interviewed all these different pastors, all these different experts in, in archaeology, and in the Bible, and everything else, and, and at the end of this, this journey that Lee Strobel on, where he was trying to disprove the existence of God, he came to this conclusion, it would take more faith for me to remain an atheist than to believe in God. That was his decision. That was his uh, wrestling with the idea of doubt actually led him to a point of faith. So listen, we have to doubt our doubts. We have to press into to what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, fifth is this. If we want to continue to, to uh, answer the question, I want to believe, but what about my doubts? We can actually borrow some faith. Borrow some faith. Uh, I phrase it that way because I think oftentimes in times of doubt, we run to isolation. We, we just kind of try to get away from, from everybody. But the reality is in times of doubt, what God wants us to do is to run to community, to run to the people that he's put in our lives, to allow the people that he's put in our lives to serve us and love us and care for us and minister for, to us, uh, in Mark chapter 2, there's this really cool story. Uh, it's the story of this man who's paralyzed, and he can't quite get to Jesus. And so Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So you have this guy, he's paralyzed. The place is packed. Nobody can get to Jesus, but they know that Jesus is the only one who can help this paralyzed man. And so it says, since they could not get to him to, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. They dug through the roof above Jesus, and by digging through it, they lowered the mat and the man that he was laying on. And here's the, the key. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus was so struck by the love that this community had for this man that he looked at him and he said, I'm going to heal you. These men that, that loved him and cared for him actually took him to Jesus when he couldn't get there himself. And we all need friends like that. 
We all need community like that. When we're in a season where we may be struggling or we may be doubting, we need people who are going to take us to Jesus and not even let a roof stop us from getting to him, but say we're going to do anything and everything we can to get you to him. You know, just to make it a little bit personal, uh, I've shared about this to some of you, but a number of years back, six, seven years ago, uh, my wife and I went through another hard season where, uh, I won't go into the long version, but we had two miscarriages in a, in a pretty uh, close uh, time period. And, and the first miscarriage was hard, um, but, but we got through it and, and felt like, you know, God was gracious to us. The second one was really hard, you know, really hard on our faith, really hard uh, on our relationship, really hard uh, and, and even, you know, continuing to, to lead the church. And as we were in that moment, um, the, the community and the people of God in this church and, and, and our friends that rallied behind us and said, whatever you need. If you need space, we'll give you space. If you want us to be around you all the time, we'll be around you all the time. If you want us to bring you meals, we'll bring you meals. If you want to take time, whatever you need, we want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to love you and show you the tangible love of Christ. And and I think back to that season oftentimes, I'm just so thankful for the community. And it was like we borrowed their faith during that time. It was like they helped carry us through a season where we were struggling But God uses the people in our lives to help point us to him over and over again. So surround yourself with people who will point you and carry you to Jesus, even in the times of trial. And then this is the last thing I want to close with, to understand our faith. To understand our faith. Here's the reality. Faith. Is certainty in something that we cannot see, right? And, and, and so there will be things in our faith that we do not understand. So to understand our faith, the first thing we have to admit and own and understand is that we won't know everything. There won't always be an answer to everything. I can't look back at that season that I just tell you, told you about with my wife and I and tell you exactly why it happened. Yeah, we have guesses, we have ideas, but I don't know. We're not God. God is God. And so understanding our faith means that there will be times where we are so tempted to ask why, so tempted to be maybe even angry and upset with God, but faith says, God, I'm going to hand this situation over to you and trust you, even though I don't understand it. That's what real faith is. And so if you're here and you've been in one of those moments and you think that that disqualifies you, I want you to know you are not disqualified from following Jesus by having doubts. The only thing that stops us from following Jesus is our inability to say, I'm going to take a step and follow you and trust you over and over again. When we let our doubts stop us from doing that, that's when we start to lead down a path where our doubt can become destructive. But doubt doesn't have to be destructive. Doubt can allow us to press into our walk with him. I want to close with this quote I heard. It says this. It says, For many people, the opposite of faith is doubt. The goal then, within this understanding, is to eliminate doubt. But, but the opposite of... I'm going to read it up here. My thing is... <laughs> Uh, the goal then within the understanding is to eliminate doubt, but faith and doubt are not opposites. 
Doubt is often a sign that your faith has a pulse. I like that. That you're owning your own path, that you're engaged, that you're thinking and feeling, that your heart is alive and well and exploring and searching. Faith and doubt aren't opposites. They are, it turns out, excellent dance partners. Don't you love that? Doesn't that affirm the fact that we are allowed to use the brains that God has given us? We're allowed to press into the emotions that we have. And at the same time, we don't have to run from God in those moments. Faith and doubt, they're like these excellent dance partners. And when we lean into it and say, God, I'm going to trust you, even in the moments of doubt, it allows us to be the men and women of faith that God wants us to be. So I want to believe, but what about my doubts? Well, the good news is, Doubt doesn't disqualify us. It puts us in a position to actually trust our God that we can love and we can serve. So I want to ask you to pray with me, and then we're going to invite the band up.